What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Get a Grip podcast. It's been way too long. Um, took a big hiatus. Just kind of, you know, kind of out of it, right? I mean, you know, I, I've been wanting to do this for so long and kind of just take too many breaks in between. So we're going to try and get back on a week-to-week basis. And what better way to jump back in with some NFL football? Uh, let's talk about last night, Chiefs Raiders. You know, I really felt like the Raiders... I think the Chiefs won it, but the Raiders also kind of lost at the same time. I think both can be true. I mean, if you just look at the if you just look at the stats, right? I mean, it was a pretty really it was a good game last night. I you know, I've been saying on Twitter for the last five weeks that you know the primetime games have been pretty disappointing. You know, a lot of boring, low scoring, slugfest kind of games. You know, the Broncos have played in a couple of those, actually three of those exactly. There's just been a lot of boring games, you know, and for the first time in five weeks, this is truly the best game on prime time this season. I don't even think that's a debate, but let's focus quickly on a couple things. The Raiders penalties. I mean, listen, this is who the Raiders are, you know, and, and what they've been in the last decade. They're just, they're just undisciplined 11 penalties for 99 yards. When you're trying to win at arrowhead and the crowd, the place is going crazy Patrick Mahomes and the offense are starting to click um, in the second half, late in the first half. You can't give them extra plays, extra opportunities to score. That's what they did. You know, the holding penalty on that on that missed field goal by Matthew Wright late in the uh, late in the fourth quarter. I've never seen anything like it. I mean, a holding penalty on a field goal attempt by the defense. I, I've never seen that. That, that, that. That's a first for me. I've seen a lot of weird penalties on field goal attempts, but that, that's a first for me. Chiefs went on to score a touchdown. Um, they're just undisciplined. Raiders had a lot of penalties in the second half that stalled out drives and kind of pushed him back and kind of played to the Chiefs' favor. But, you know, give Patrick Mahomes credit. You know, they went down 17 um, nothing. You know, they were down 20-10 to at halftime. Uh, they, they shut the Raiders out in the third quarter. And, and outside of a deep, a deep, perfectly thrown ball to Devontae Adams from Derek Carr, kind of split-bracket coverage, Got behind the safety. I mean, it was a perfect throw. Outside of that, Raiders did nothing in the second half. Um, yeah, but give Patrick Mahomes credit, right? I mean, that, those first few drives were ugly. You know, uh, Max Crosby and Chandler Jones were absolutely just bullying their, their two tackles, Orlando Brown and, and Wiley. But Mahomes responded. Uh, the Chiefs, 7 of 12 on third down. Uh, that, that was huge for them. They had enough balance. They ran for over 100 yards, 265 passing yards. Good balance by the Chiefs. Four for four in the red zone. You know, so just give the Chiefs credit. But, you know, the Raiders, you know, they, they've been a weird team this year. Just a lot of undisciplined losses. You know, they blew a huge second half lead to the Cardinals. They, you know, kind of fell apart against the Chiefs last night. Um, you know, they they gave the tight. They had a chance to win the Titans game. You know, you know, so you take away that Denver win. You know, what have they really done? They haven't really looked that impressive. And a lot of people said the Raiders were going to be a wild card, a playoff team. They, some people even said they were going to win the division. And when I looked at the Raiders, and I'm still going to stand by it, they don't have a good offensive line. They don't have a really good head coach, situationally. Uh, Derek Carr, you know, he's playing better than Russell Wilson, but I would still take Russell Wilson over Derek Carr, even injured. And But the running game is better than I thought it would be. It's been... It's been better the last couple games, but give the Chiefs credit. They grinded this one out. I think it was a tougher game for them. You know, this is the first win Patrick Mahomes has had over the Chiefs that was by like less than five or six points. I mean, usually he blows him out. 
So I think this is a good barometer test for the Chiefs. You know, they're feeling themselves coming up, coming home after that big Sunday night win over Tampa. But a, a good gut check win for the Chiefs in prime time. But I, I want to talk about the on this the the roughing the passer penalty on Chris Jones. I think we're overreacting to what happened to Tua, and what happened to Tua was terrible. But that was more on the team in the NFL failing Tua than it was about the actual rule itself. Okay, because Tua got hurt. And he really didn't have a chance to brace himself. You kind of saw it with Tom Brady. He was able to kind of brace himself, you know, going to the ground, uh, even if he was kind of being, you know, spun and tossed. But, you know, Tua really didn't have a chance to brace himself for the contact. His head hit the turf against the Bengals on that Thursday night game. But, you know, he shouldn't have been playing that game at all. And so it's I don't think we should be overreacting to a horrific incident. Uh, because the team and the NFL didn't do their due diligence. And 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 listen, even if he was cleared to play, head coach Mike McDaniel should have stepped in and said, you're not playing. They didn't do it. So I know, listen, I get these guys are ultra competitors. They want to win, want to be there for their teammates. But a lot of these guys, just they need to have the big picture in mind. Like, hey, like I want to win. I want to be there for my team. But I also got to think about my long-term health. So from that point, Tua was a little irresponsible. But I understand where he's coming from. Like This guy wants to compete. This guy wants to win. But the coaching staff, uh, the NFL independent neurologist did not do them any favors, but that was not roughing the passer. By letter of the law, I guess, yes, it was. But really, like, are we getting to this point now? I mean, the the, the Tom, the, there's been a running joke in the NFL for years that Tom Brady gets preferential treatment and, and penalties to go his way. And that was a perfect example of that. You know, the joke is you can't touch Tom Brady because it's a flag. Um, and, and that was a great example of that, even if it is a running joke. And then last night, Chris Jones, he strips the ball out of Derek Carr's hands in the process of him going to the ground. He has the ball in his, in, in his, in his hand. I don't know. What, I don't know what the NFL wants these guys to do. You know, you can't defy gravity. You can't, def, you can't defy laws of physics. Like it's just nature, you know, a, a 300 pound defensive linemen trying to you know go all out and get to the quarterback they don't have time to slow down to think about not you know maybe landing a little bit more body weight on the quarterback than maybe they would you know nor in a norm in more of a normal situation like the nfl has to understand that this is football it's a violent game injuries are going to happen i get you they want the best product on the field with the quarterbacks i understand that i, I get that but you, you can't put these guys in a position where they can't really do anything without picking up a flag and hurting their team. I mean, that's what we're getting. That's the point we're getting at now is like, we can't, you can barely, you can only hit a quarterback maybe one way without not picking up a flag. And, you know, it's a double standard because Mahomes got, got kind of tossed, you know, got hit and tossed like Brady did on Sunday and there was no flag. So consistency is key. If it's consistent, I can live with it. If it's not, I can't live with it. The Chiefs won the game, but... If they lost the game because the Raiders got three points out of that out of that BS penalty, then you know the NFL would be going through, you know, more, you know, damage control today because you can't you can't affect the game with that kind of result. Like, it, there's not much Chris Jones could do in that situation. I, I just don't know what the NFL expects these guys to do. Um, moving on to the Bucks, you know. You look at what they've done this year. The Bucks have been a defensive team, really, so far. The last couple of weeks, they've gotten shredded on the ground. You know, the, the Chiefs ran for over 190 yards. Falcons ran for over 150. Um, 
But the Bucks' defense, for the most part, they've been solid. Uh, listen, you know, Patrick Mahomes has had their number, you know, against Tampa. Okay, you know, and and the three meetings he's played against Tom Brady in the in the Tampa Bay Bucks, he's two and one, and um, you know, blew him out on Sunday night a couple weeks ago, and then beat him bad in the first half in the regular season in 2020 before the Bucks made a late comeback, made it interesting, but the Chiefs won. And, and in the Super Bowl, Chiefs offensive line was all banged up. Patrick Mahomes had no time to throw, and the Bucs won the game because of their, their defense. Tom Brady you know, did enough offensively, right? But the Bucs' offense looks terrible. You know, and I, I think the, if there's one really good positive that you can take from um, the game on Sunday against Atlanta, Leonard Fournette, 14 carries, 56 yards, four, four yards a carry. He scored a touchdown. Uh, Fournette, 10 catches, 83 yards. Like, they got him the ball. Leonard Fournette needs to be touching the ball at least 16, 17, 18 times a game. Like, you got to get him the ball. Tom Brady wasn't sacked. But, listen, I'm, I'm just concerned because I feel like the Bucks' offensive line still gelling, right? And I, I think it's going to take time. Listen, they're 3-2. and two, They look terrible against the Chiefs. And then, you know, they, they had a chance to beat the Packers, right? So they could be 4-1, and one, right? But, you know, they lost to the Packers without any healthy receivers. Their offensive line, you know, was all, you know, was even in worse shape than it was the past couple weeks. Uh, they couldn't run the ball, and they still had a chance to send that game to overtime, right? So I'm not worried about Tampa. But, you know, with all the distractions off the field with Tom Brady's marriage, uh, with Giselle Bunchen, um, you know, Julio's not playing, you know, Chris Godwin's still, you know, trying to get back to full speed off of ACL tear. You know, they don't really have any productive tight ends. But, you know, if there's one thing right now, you know, Tom Brady was known for in New England not playing their best football in the first five, six weeks of the season. And I think in this case, we're seeing that. But for different different reasons. Uh, like I said, I think the Bucks' offensive line will get there. They've been really struggling. Um, and, and really, the defense, right? They got scorched by the Chiefs. But in their in their other four games, they beat a Cowboys offense with really no perimeter receiving game outside of Ceedee Lamb. Dak Prescott got hurt, and then they beat the Saints and turnover prone Jameis Winston, who's also playing with back fractures, like four or five back fractures. Then they play a Packers team with a lot of young receivers, and then they beat an Atlanta team with like no passing game, and at this point, a career backup in Marcus Mariota. So I don't really know how good their defense is. The one real offense they play, they got killed. They gave up forty points at home in prime time. Um, but you know, uh, Tampa, you know, they, they have over 10 sacks in five games. They, they forced eight or nine turnovers. So defensively they're fine. I, I think they'll get better as the season goes, but for their, for them to reach their potential goal of going to a super bowl and possibly winning it, the offensive line is going to have to continue to gel and they're going to have to continue to try and establish a running game. Cause I, I think the, the, the passing game will keep getting better, but it's up to the O line. If the O line can get better and be more consistent, uh, this Tampa team, uh, they can make a playoff run. No, no doubt about it. Um, let's talk about my Steelers. I'm like really depressed um, because I'm, I, I've come to the realization that this is a, this is a rebuilding year. I, I don't care what Mike Tomlin says. I, I, I don't care what the owners say. I don't care what the GM says. This is a rebuilding year. Just say it how it is. And, and the sad part is, is that the, the Steelers – Offensive line actually has been pretty good. I mean, given given all circumstances, right? Like, 
I think coming into the year, we were saying the Steelers have like one of the worst offensive lines in the league. They haven't been as bad as people have said, at least in pass protection. But the run game has been horrible. So that part is undisputable. Like you can't you can't debate it. But listen, Kenny Pickett, he's got an it factor. I don't know if he has all the physical tools and talent to be a transcendent quarterback, a, a terrific a, a terrific quarterback, like a guy that can win Super Bowls. I don't think that's him. But listen, this guy, this guy's this guy's tough. Comes into the Jets game, two rushing touchdowns, gives gives the offense some juice. And then against the Bills, never quit, never gave up. That's a sign of a true competitor. And that's a guy that I, I would want on my team any day of the week. Got hit late, low, gets into a shoving match with a defensive lineman. Like, he never quit. The Steelers quit against the Bills on Sunday. The game was over after the third play of the game where Gabe Davis and Josh Allen hooked up for a 98-yard touchdown. Uh, Gabe Davis just ran by the safety in the corner. Easy house call. And then from then... It was it was it was it was it was it was blitzkrieg. I mean, they they just got absolutely blitzed. And outside of one red zone interception that they had, they couldn't they couldn't stop them at all. Um, listen, the Steelers they can't run the ball. But this has been a problem for a few years now. Like they haven't really been able to run the ball well since Le'Veon Bell left for the Jets. They just haven't been able to do it. Um, and their offensive line was better in 2019 and 2020. Um, than they are right now, and they still couldn't run it. So they, they've had problems running the ball. And I think the thing is, too, is that the Steelers had a, an old veteran offensive line that was together for six, seven, eight years with Villanueva and DeCastro and Marquise Pouncey. And, um, you know, they, they had a bunch of guys that were together. Uh, uh, Ramon Foster, you know, they were to, most of those guys were together from 2010, 2011, 2012 until like 2019, 2020. And so now they're kind of in a transition phase. But listen, I, I like the skill guys they have. I think George Pickens has the potential to be a number one receiver. I kind of said before the season, he can be the number one receiver before the season's end. I like Deontay Johnson. Uh, Claypool's got a lot of talent. I like Pat Fryermuth. I like Najee Harris, Jalen Warren, the undrafted rookie out of Oklahoma State. They got some talent on the offensive side, and I think their offensive line's been better than expected. But, you know, the defense, they've been terrible. I don't know how else to put it. You know, without TJ Watt, they have no pass rush. They still can't stop the run. And against the Bills, they were getting cooked deep the whole game. The one thing I'll say about Pittsburgh going forward is that it's looking more and more likely that they're going to have a top five pick. They got to decide, I think, in-house what the approach is going forward. Obviously, you don't want to lose games on purpose. You want to win, but you got to understand that you're not going to the playoffs. Given the schedule they have going forward, I mean, if you look at the Steelers' schedule, I mean, it's, it's relentless. I mean, before the bye week, they got to play the Bucks. They got to play the Dolphins on the road, and then they got to go to Philadelphia. And then right off the bye, they got to play the Saints at home, the Bengals at home, at Indianapolis, and then their December schedule. Oh, it's it's real fun. They got to play the Ravens twice, and they got to play the Raiders. I'm not seeing a lot of wins there, folks. Uh, maybe they can beat the Falcons on the road. Uh, maybe the Colts. Panthers, maybe the Raiders at home on the Franco Harris anniversary. But the more I look at it, you know, and listen, this, you know, the Steelers are one and four, but they could very well be four and one. That's the part that no one's talking about, right? Uh, or they, or they could be three and two, right? Um, they, sh they, they should have beat the Jets and they, and they should have beat the Patriots. Those are two very winnable games. 
Um, and they just couldn't do it. So they, they could have three, they could be three and two right now, but I don't think that changes the fact that right now you got to give Kenny Pickett a shot. Let him see what he can do. Um, let him develop. And then you can decide for yourself if you want to take a quarterback in the upcoming draft. But I'll just say this. Um, I do think the Steelers will play hard this week against Tampa. I think they're going to come out and they're going to play really hard. Um, you know, the Steelers, when they, when they lose like that, they usually come back the next week and they play a great game. They play really competitive football and they're flying around. I don't know if they're going to beat Tampa this weekend, but I certainly think it'll be a one score game. I don't think they're going to get blown out this week, but going forward, I don't see more than a couple, two, three wins on their schedule. You know, we'll see. You know, Mike Tomlin has has done some crazy things in Pittsburgh with 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 less talent. So, um, you know, if they can win two of their next three games going into the bye, and maybe there's some optimism that TJ Watt comes back. But as of right now, yeah, it's looking like a lost season. But maybe that's not a bad thing. I'm gonna give some love to the Jets and the Giants, man. Um, Jets three and two, Giants. Four and one. I I never thought I, I I never thought either of these teams would have a winning record um, at the same time this season. Um, let's start with the Giants. Listen, what what Brian Dable is doing. It, this just proves that in the NFL, if you have a strong culture, great coaching, you can overcome lack of talent. That's really what this is. And to be fair, like the Giants' schedule has not been overly difficult, right? I mean. You, you beat the Panthers, who just fired their coach. You beat them at home by three. You beat a Bears team with no passing game at home by eight. You beat a Green Bay team that on paper looks good, but offensively they got a lot of young pieces. Aaron Rodgers bails. He quits. He kind of gives up uh, when things get hard. And the Packers have been a horrible second-half team this year. And then you beat the Titans, who, you know, also kind of lack talent and winning a lot of games because of their culture and their toughness and because they run the football. But give the Giants credit. Like my dad always tells me, you play who's on your schedule. And as crazy as it sounds, the Giants are 4-1 and one right now. Um, and they're tied for second in the division with the Cowboys, who they lost to um, at home on Monday night a couple weeks ago. But, you know, here's the thing, right? Here's, the, here's, here's where I'm having trouble with the Giants. They have been really bad against the run. Like really bad. Um, they did a better job against the Packers in London, only gave up 94 rushing yards, but the Giants have been getting cooked on the ground. Um, you know, they have the fifth worst rush defense. They're giving up over 135, 140 yards a game. And guess what, folks? Guess who the Giants play in their next six games? They play teams that are really good at running the ball. The Ravens, the Lions, the Seahawks, the Jags, all teams that are averaging over 100 rushing yards a game so far through five weeks. Um, so, yeah, that's that's the part for the Giants that they're going to get into that could that could trip them up. And, you know, listen, Daniel Jones, you know, give, give Dayball credit. He's getting the most out of Daniel Jones, but this team is running through Saquon Barkley in an opportunistic defense. Uh, but, listen, them ne their next five games, they could win four of them. I don't think they're going to be Baltimore this week. Um, Jacksonville and Seattle on the road, uh, will not be easy, but you know, they should beat Houston home off a of bye, and, and the lions, you know, could, can score points, but they play no defense. You know, so the giants, they, they have four winnable games going forward, but listen, at some point their lack of talent is going to catch up to them at some point, you know, they're, they're not going to get away with some of the things they've gotten away with. So 
But so far, very impressed with what they've done. Give Brian Dable a hell of a lot of credit, but they're only averaging 140 passing yards a game, folks. Uh, and that, that number went up a little bit after Daniel Jones threw for 217 against the Packers, but that's a season high for passing yards. So uh, at some point, they're going to have to win with the passing game. Uh, at some point, it's going to catch up to them. But give them credit to this point. Um, Jets, I'm not a big fan of Zach Wilson, folks. I'm, I'm, I'm not a fan, but um, listen, he's 2-0 since he's come back from that injury. The Jets are 3-2. and You know, they pulled a win from the brink of death at Cleveland. Um, that was kind of a fluky win. Um, the Browns should not have lost that game, but give the Jets credit. They executed. Uh, they took advantage of mistakes. And when you do that in the NFL, like people, people look at bad teams in the NFL like, oh, these teams suck. They still got these guys are professionals for a reason. Like you can't just assume that, oh, well, they're the Jets. Oh, they're the Lions. They're the Texans. Like, you know, everyone has talent. So you can't just make those kind of mental blunders. You know, giving up a deep ball to Corey Davis and then failing to get an onside kick. Like you, you can't do that. But give the Jets credit. Um, I thought they played a great game against the Dolphins. To be fair, you know, Teddy Bridgewater leaves on the first play of the game um, for, for the Dolphins, and the Jets kind of just took it from there. Um, you know, Skylar Thompson, you know, rookie third-string quarterback from K-State, he did some nice things for the Dolphins, but I think his inexperience showed, you know, they had a couple turnovers. You know, they, they didn't he, – he had two turnovers, uh, a strip sack um, and, and an interception um, that led to 14 Jets points. You know, the Jets were the better team. You know, I, I thought, I think the story for the Jets this season is how good is Sauce Gardner? And, you know, I told all my friends that were Jets fans, I'm like, listen, this guy is an absolute beast. And I told him, he's the next Revis Island. And, you know, people were like, oh, like, Jets need a pass rusher. We need an offensive lineman. I'm like, honestly, you need a top corner. Because for the last couple of years, the Jets have had probably the wor- one of the worst two or three secondaries in the whole league. Just look at the stats. They're, they were horrible last year. They gave up like the second most passing yards per game last year. They needed a guy. Signing DJ Reed was a really good low-value signing, and he's been really good for them too. But Sauce Gardner, he's been locking up guys. He's been, he's been slowing down and locking up Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, Jamar Chase, Deontay Johnson. Really good, like Rashad Bateman, really good receivers. Mari Cooper, really good receivers. And he's doing his own thing. Uh, listen, I'm not a big fan of, of, of uh, Zach Wilson. I don't think I ever will be. I just, I don't, I think he's kind of loose with the ball. I don't, I think he's kind of sloppy with his mechanics. But Brees Hall is really good, folks. I, I love that pick by the Jets getting Brees Hall. Garrett Wilson, I think he'll be more utilized going forward. Um, I thought the Jets had a really good offseason, and, and, it, and it's showing now. They're 3-2, and two, but their next five games are going to be really telling. At Green Bay, at Denver. Denver is their house of horrors. Every time they go to Denver, the Jets get murdered. And then they got to play the Patriots twice. Uh, Bills at home with a bye week mixed in. So, you know, listen, the Jets go 3-2, and two, even 2-3. Two and three. I don't think any, Jet, any realistic Jet fan thought they were going to the playoffs this year. Like, re- I'm talking realistic. You know, but if the Jets can have like a seven, eight win season, I think any any sane Jets fan would say that's a great year. Um, given that Robert Sala's been under the gun and Zach Wilson's been under the gun, you know, uh, their owner's been under the gun for years. So, like I said, give credit to the Jets and the Giants on two great starts, and let's see what they do the second half of the season. Uh, Eagles, 
That's my that was my NFC champion pick, folks. How smart am I looking right now? I know it's early, long way to go, but they're five and zero. Oh. They got a top five and a top ten passing and rushing offense. Jalen Hurts is completing sixty six percent of his passes. He's he has over a thousand one hundred passing yards. Make it over thirteen hundred since the Cardinals game. He's averaging over fifty rushing yards, and he's got six rushing touchdowns through five games. But the part that I like about what the Eagles are doing, they might be the best team in the league right now in the trenches. Offensive line's been banged up, but defensive line's loaded. I mean, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, Jerron Hargrave, Jordan Davis, the rookie out of Georgia. I mean, they're only allowing 17 points a game. They lead the league in sacks. Um, and they're also, they also have a top 10 rushing defense. Listen, the Eagles are balanced. The key, the key, and, and listen, A.J. Brown has opened up this offense. Devontae Smith was not a number one receiver. He is much better suited as a number two. Um, Dallas Goddard is a really good under-the-radar tight end. But the key for the Eagles, Jalen Hurts. I, I was never a big fan of him in college. I just never saw, like, I saw the intangible things, like the leadership qualities, and and he's, he's a tough physical player, like, doesn't want to let his teammates down. Doesn't want to let his coaches down, the fans. I understand all that. But I just never thought he would develop as quickly as he's as he as he had, as he has. Uh, yeah, a little mix-up there since his rookie year. He's really come a long way. And I think that just proves that if you really put the work in in the offseason on your with, with your own game, with your teammates, the sky's the limit. We've seen it with Lamar Jackson, and we've seen it with Jalen Hurts. A lot of questions about these guys, both of these guys coming out of the draft. Oh, they're athletes. Like, they're not great throwers. You know, they're more athletes than quarterbacks. And I think both of them have proven that stereotype wrong. I understand that people are like, well, the Eagles aren't a Super Bowl team. Oh, I I, I would rather have Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers. Just, let, just think about this, folks. Look at the NFC right now. The Bucs' offensive line is still a mess. And it might be that way for most of the season. The Bucks' defense is not as good as they were when they won the Super Bowl. The Packers, their offense doesn't look that great. Matt LaFleur isn't, maybe isn't as good of a coach as we thought he was. And they have a lot of young wideouts. And Aaron Rodgers chokes in the playoffs every year. Rams, their offense line's horrible. And they're a couple injuries away to some of their best players to not even making the playoffs. Then you got San Francisco. I mean, Jimmy G, I like him a lot, but he's not a big-time quarterback. And I don't trust Kyle Shanahan either in big games. So you kind of whittle it down. The Cowboys, they're not winning anything. It's the Cowboys. They find a way to fail and disappoint their fans every year. Just look at the history. So you start whittling down the list. The only team that I really think can, can push the Eagles in a playoff game, San Francisco or Tampa, just because of how the personnel matches up. I understand you got to look at the quarterbacks because that matters in the playoffs. But you got to look at the whole roster and the way this Eagles team is constructed. They are they remind me a lot of that of the last Eagles team that went went to the Super Bowl and won it with Nick Foles. That team was great in the trenches on both sides. They had big time playmakers on the perimeter. They could run the ball, and their quarterback did enough and lit it up in the playoffs. So watch out for the Eagles, folks. Uh, Chiefs were my Super Bowl pick, uh, but the Bills. Right now, it's the Bills and the Chiefs to lose. I, I think the Ravens could be in that conversation. But really, it's a three-team race right now in the AFC. 
I think Cincinnati could join that list. I think this, I think Cincinnati can compete with any of those teams, but I still think they have some work to do with their run game and the offensive line. But right now, the Bills, best points differential in the league, second-best passing offense. Josh Allen, um, you know, he's got 14 passing touchdowns, two rushing, 67% completion percentage. They have the third-best rush defense in the league, best pass defense. And that's with a lot of injuries in the secondary. Now, the Bills are still one-dimensional. And, and like I said, that, that is going to catch up to them in the playoffs. Because once you get to the playoffs, if you can't run the ball, even if you have a great quarterback like Josh Allen, you're going to struggle a little bit. Um, so the Bills need to try and continue to fi- uh, commit to running the football. Um, but, man, the Bills, not a lot of weaknesses in that roster. They're well-coached. They're well-constructed. They have a top-five quarterback. Um, Ravens. Um, you know, I, I, I like John Harbaugh and his, his approach with Lamar Jackson, trust him, let him go make plays in big spots. It kind of bit them in, it kind of bit them against the bills. Um, but I like this situation fourth and two with the bills to go for it. Unfortunately, Lamar threw a pick. It was a really, it was really bad weather. I like the, I like the call trust your quarterback. Uh, but you know, listen, the Ravens, they held on, uh, to a second half lead. Uh, they almost blew another double-digit lead to the Bengals, but they held on. Lamar made enough plays, and Justin Tucker just put him in the Hall of Fame already. I mean, this guy's unreal, but Lamar Jackson's playing great football right now, folks. Um, him, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts are the three front runners for MVP. Patrick Mahomes is definitely on that list as he is every year. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I think I'm going to leave it there. Might really quick, one quick thing on the AFC South. How the hell are the Titans doing it again? I, I'm pretty sure the Titans, any Titan fan would hate me because I doubt them every year. I always say the Titans are never making the playoffs, and I think they've proven me wrong like four straight years. They might make it five this year. The AFC South is wide open, folks. Colts, Jags, Titans, any of them can win it. Um, thanks for tuning in, and I'll tune in next week for the Get a Grip podcast.